everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, you're listening to episode 81. And this episode's a little bit different. I'm re-releasing an episode. I'm releasing episode four of the podcast. This episode is with Molly Ludlow. And the really cool thing about this episode is I'm talking with Molly again this coming Tuesday, and we're going to do a follow-up episode with her next week. So for those of you who maybe haven't listened to that episode, episode four back in the day, if you're new to the show and you're working through the backlog, Molly is a very talented middle distance runner. She ran professionally for Saucony for several years. She was a two-time All-American at Indiana University in the 800 meters. She's an American record holder in the 4x800 meters. And she's an IAAF Beijing World Championships qualifier in the 800 meters. She also was a bronze medalist in the 2014 USA Championships. If you follow track and field at all, you might know that Molly ran in the 800 meters in the Olympic trials in 2012 and 2016. She placed fourth in both of those trials, missing a spot on the Olympic team by 0.04 seconds. In this episode, you'll hear Molly talk about preparing for the 2016 Olympic trials. So this episode that we recorded, we recorded it like a month or two. Oh, we recorded it a few months before the Olympic trials. So when we record our episode on Tuesday, you'll get to hear about how she overcame that devastation and what she's doing now. And gosh, I mean, I don't know about you, but from the outside looking in, when I saw her run that race, when I was watching her on TV, I was jumping up and down and to see her come in and, and place fourth, I was just so heartbroken for her. So it's just this, this next episode next week will be so cool to hear what it looks like on the other side of that. And not to mention you guys, a week after the Olympic trials, she did go on to set a personal best of 157.68 in Monaco, making her the seventh fastest U.S. woman at the 800-meter distance. That is incredible. I've had the opportunity to get to know Molly a little bit better outside of the podcast as well. We've gone on a few runs together since our recording, and she really is, you guys, like one of the nicest people you'll ever meet, and so easy to talk to, and just amazing. Seriously, she's awesome. I'm not going to spill any news on what's going on in her life now, right now, because we're going to talk about that in our episode next week. All right, you guys. um, And I do want to let you know the reason I'm re-releasing this episode, I'm just going to be completely transparent because I feel like I share quite a lot about my life on this podcast. My mother-in-law, Peggy, passed away last week, actually on Sunday, and I'm just giving myself a little bit of grace and a little bit of a break to work through this with my family and be with my family. And I thought this would be the perfect opportunity to do a follow-up episode with someone I find really inspiring. So I do appreciate all of the comments and the thoughts and prayers. Um, I know if you're following me on Instagram, you probably saw my post and a lot of you have left really kind and caring uh, notes and messages. And Not only have I been reading those, but my husband's been reading them as well, and it really means a lot to him. So thank you guys for being a great support system and understanding um, this little switch in in what we're doing this week. And I do want to thank Kind Snacks for supporting this podcast. If you're like me, you grab a Kind Bar at the grocery store and you pay about $2 for that. Well, with this deal they're offering you, if you go to kindsnacks.com slash Lindsay, you can get 10 bars 
sent to your door and you only have to pay shipping. That's just $5.99 for shipping. Kind Snacks are made in the United States. They're made with ingredients you can recognize and pronounce, and they use high-quality, nutrient-dense whole ingredients, like whole nuts and whole grains. All of their snacks are kosher, and their company was founded as a not-only-for-profit company in 2004, always striving to balance between commercial success and social impact. When you guys support a sponsor of this podcast, you are directly supporting this podcast because it tells the sponsors that, hey, you're listening, and it's a good thing. You guys can go to kindsnacks.com slash Lindsay and pay $5.99 for shipping to get 10 Kind Snacks sent to your door. Hey, you guys, two weeks. The live show is in two weeks. If you are local to the Indiana area, if you live near us, if you want to grab your girlfriends and go on a road trip, come run the Indie Women's Half with me in the morning and then celebrate in the evening with a lot of fun ladies. We've got Michelle Gonzalez, Mary Johnson, Maggie Dials, and myself. We're doing a live panel. It's going to be so fun, a live recording. And lots of other past guests and listeners of the show will be there. Come enjoy some wine, dessert, appetizers, and have fun with us. I want to thank Fit Fine Wine and Taylor's Bakery, who are providing dessert and wine for the event. And I want to thank Vicki Bolson of the Bolson Group for providing a beautiful space for us right downtown Indianapolis. Guys, go to lindsayhine.com to grab your tickets, grab a girlfriend or two, and join us. All right, guys, enjoy my conversation with Molly. Hey, hi, Molly. Hi, how are you? Good. Welcome to my home. Thank you. It's beautiful here. Very Thank large. Thank you. It's funny because I've done most of this inter- these interviews on Skype, so you are the second person that I've actually done it inside my house. So Yeah, well, this is wonderful. No, no kids, but I can't <laughs> wait to meet them after we record. I know, because when we saw each other at Athletic Annex that night for that party, I didn't have any of my kids there, did I? No, I've um, never met them. So Lewis is sleeping right now. It's, well, it's 7.30 already, but he goes to bed at 6, which is crazy. And Marshall is out with a a date with dad, so it's good. Well, that's great. Um, But you don't live far. You live downtown. Yep, I live, um, it was exactly three miles from here, straight down Pennsylvania. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I know. I feel like we're so close to downtown, but since we're north of Fall Creek, it's a little bit removed, you know? Mm -hmm. I was like, when it was telling me the directions to turn on to the street, or I actually came up Meridian and turned but I was like, there's a neighborhood over here. I know, I never right? Really expected. You were that. probably scared. You were probably like, does she live in those creepy apartments? <laughs> like, it's a little bit shady around here, right? Yeah. And then I pulled up to like three beautiful houses in a <laughs> row, and I was like, it's got to be one of these. Yeah, we're kind of like hidden here. I never knew about this neighborhood until we moved here. Um, so you drove up from Bloomington today. I did. Yeah. I um, three times a week I drive down. The hour down 37 to Bloomington, I practice and I drive right back. So do you listen to music or podcasts or what when you drive? Um, I just downloaded a lot of songs, so I've been listening to music, but I do books on tape a Mm. lot, um, and they pass time so easily when Mm -hmm. I'm driving, so I kind of mix it up. I've been reading a couple books and um, listening to music also. So I skipped over this, and now I'm thinking about it. I'm going to do, I'm going to um, record your intro separately, but tell us who Molly is. Like, who's Molly Ludlow? I am um, an Ohio native, born in the Buckeye State, actually the Buckeye City of Columbus, Ohio. 
And um, I went to Indiana University is how I ended up in Indiana and on a, a soccer scholarship um, and played soccer for a year at Indiana and um, started running track, which is how we've met. Mm-hmm. And um, now I reside downtown Indianapolis with my husband, who I met in Bloomington, Indiana during college. Awesome. So wait, what year did you graduate? I graduated um, IU in 2010. Okay. So it's funny because I didn't know Molly until probably, I don't know, last year. Well, I remember, okay, so I went to high school with Molly's husband, Reed. But I also went to school with his brother, Clay, and I was more... Friend, more so friends with Clay than Reed. Okay. Um, Are you right in the middle of age? I'm right then? in the middle. Okay. Well, yeah. Actually, I'm only a grade younger than Clay, and I'm two grades okay. ahead of Reed. Gotcha. Um, but I don't remember. I knew who you were, though. Probably, honestly, from Facebook, seeing pictures of your wedding, or I don't know, mm-hmm. something. And I'm like, oh, Reed Ludlow married this really hot, fast runner. <laughs> Fast as in runs fast. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, that's how I know half the people around here. Yeah. Through Facebook pictures and looking at the logo. Yeah. That is, that is so funny. And it's such a nice family you married into. Mm-hmm. I love my in-laws and I stay with them in Bloomington once a week. So they take me in and cook home-cooked oh, meals for me every Thursday night. That's so, so nice. It's really awesome. They're kind of one of those families that... For someone who grew up in Bloomington, everybody, a lot of people know the Ludlows and they just know they're just a really nice family. Mm-hmm. Like I've been saying that for a long time. Um, and isn't that nice to be so close with your in-laws that you just feel comfortable? You don't feel like he has to be there. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's so nice to, I mean, honestly read jokes sometimes that he thinks his dad is and I are closer than him <laughs> and his dad are, which is hilarious because it's probably true. Uh-huh. He's, Brant and I are like so close. He's one of my biggest follow fans, followers. He's emotionally invested oh, in everything I, I do, that. which is um, it's pretty special. That's awesome. And then you're also lucky because you have Robin, Clay's wife, mm-hmm. and they're just they're just an awesome pair. Yeah, and they live you know 15 minutes away from us downtown. So, um, and Robin is so easy to get along with. Oh my gosh, and she's just awesome. I met Robin, um, I must have still been in college, when her and Clay were at DePaul. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I love this girl. She is so fun, easy to talk to. Yeah, she's just, and even like at my bachelorette party when um, <laughs> she was obviously there and my mom came. Oh, gosh. And she was just like the, like, you know, and all the girls are getting crazy mm-hmm. and um, you know, towards the end of the night, she was just like the mediator and my mom thought my dress was too short and <laughs> Robin was there to pick up the pieces and say, Mary, it's fine. It's her bachelorette. She's just, she's just a perfect, I mean, she's a perfect sister-in-law. I couldn't ask for anything Oh better. my gosh. And then they have, now their little guy, I think is the same, maybe like a month younger than my Lewis. Mm-hmm. Is he he's, one yet? He's one and a month. Okay, so yeah, he's like literally a month younger than Lewis. Um, I actually randomly saw them. I had the boys at the fashion fashion mall for some reason. At Houston. Yeah, I think I was getting something fixed on my computer. I don't just go hang. I'm technically a stay at home mom, but I don't just go hang out at the fashion mall. <laughs> but I I pers- I was there. It was like the one time I've been there in months, and they came in, and it was right after he was born, and. 
Um, I think they she was still on her maternity leave, mm-hmm. and I don't think I've seen them since, though. Um, but, yeah, anyway, they're yeah. awesome. Yeah, and Sam is um, – I he's probably twice the size of any baby his age. <laughs> he is massive, which I have to look forward to as oh, well. Oh, right, with for my sure. Husband being, well, you both do, and you're tall. Yep. My husband's six foot eight, so. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. How tall are you? 5'10". Okay, yeah, you're going to have a big baby. Mm-hmm. It would be very strange if you did it. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so you were at IU on a soccer scholarship. So was soccer obviously was your thing um, all through high school? Yeah, I grew up um, really like mirroring everything my sister did. She's two and a half years older than me, and... Um, that's just what she did growing up. She loved soccer. So I started playing soccer and, um, fell in love with the sport. And, um, there was kind of no question in my mind when I got to high school that I wanted to play in college. So I took it really seriously. Actually, um, I ran track my freshman year, but didn't run after that. I was, um, strictly playing soccer all year round club soccer to be specific. And then, um, accepted a scholarship my junior year of high school to go play at IU. I went on um, official visits to Ohio State, Kentucky, Georgia, Northwestern, and Indiana. And I walked around campus with my dad, and I just felt like it was home for me. So um, it was a pretty easy decision. And um, graduated in 2005 from high school and went on to play soccer for only a year at Indiana. Yeah, so... Did, did you know – you probably knew you were a talented runner, though, before that, right? Yeah, my freshman year of high school, I had a lot of success. Um, I just had a lot of issues with anxiety, uh-huh. and it made the sport really not fun for okay. me, which was honestly the only reason that I quit running track was um, it just wasn't fun because I was so overly anxious, mm-hmm. and I put all this pressure on myself, and – you know, in high school, that was all you cared about was having fun. So mm-hmm. that was just something I didn't want to do to myself anymore. And you didn't, do you feel like you didn't feel like that with soccer because it was a team thing? Team sport. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. It was just less pressure and more fun for me. Um, but then <clears throat> I went to IU and before I even got to IU, I had um, two knee surgeries. Mm-hmm. I tore um, both of my ACLs before I even got to mm-hmm. Indiana and then um, got to Indiana and played a season and just nothing was the same. It was a big 10 program where, you know, I, it was, I was up against girls that are very, very aggressive. And I, I was scared to go in for tackles, um, Mm -hmm. because I was afraid I was going to hurt myself again. And uh, my knee was, it was in a lot of pain at that point. I had a lot of tendonitis and, um, the doctor basically told me after my freshman year that, unless I somehow decided like trusted my body that I was not going to get hurt again, I was just going to get hurt again because I was playing so tentative. So, um, I kind of decided they kind of pushed, they kind of pushed me to make the decision to, to stop because in the next three years, something was going to happen. And in my mind, I didn't really trust my body, um, on the soccer field anyway. So, um, I had to quit soccer after my freshman year, which was really devastating for me. Um, it's like all I did growing up, but, um, then I got to, I actually walked up to the track coach, um, in the hallway at assembly hall. And I said, Hey, um, I'm, my name is Molly and (laughs) I want to walk onto the track team. And he looked at me and he was like, really? And at that point I was like 20 pounds heavier 
than I am now. And this big soccer player, uh-huh. and they were like, what are you thinking? Like, uh-huh. you can't run track. But um, so it's a kind of a funny story because that's how it started. Mm. And I was really, really um, didn't even know what I was getting myself into, both physically and, you know, emotionally throwing myself back into that anxiety mm-hmm. thing that I never, I put a Band-Aid on it, but I never actually, like, took control of it. Mm. And um, so, yeah, that's that's how the transition started. Did the coach know who you were? Um, after I told him who I was, he looked my times up from freshman year. Yeah. And he was like, Oh, you, you are, you're a 400 runner, aren't you? And I was like, yeah. And at that point I was, you know, I was a 200 runner, a 400 runner. Uh I was a sprinter and, um, it was quickly found out that that was not going to be my event. Mm. But, um, I started out at IU trying to run 400s and 200s. So did it, I mean, so you walked on, did it turn into a scholarship then obviously? Yeah. So, um, I lost my scholarship my sophomore year because technically I wasn't injured. Most of the time you can do like a medical red Mm. shirt, but I wasn't injured because I was playing another sport. Um, so they took my scholarship away and the coach at the time, um, Judy Wilson, who, was the distance coach. She kind of took me in um, and was training me as like kind of a sprinter and kind of a middle distance runner. But she basically said, if you, if you get top five in the big 10, I'll give you your scholarship back. Mm. And you know, that was kind of a quick turnaround for me. Cause I was just, it was just kind of a disaster. The first three yeah. months of track, like what am I doing to myself? But um, I got fifth at the oh big Ten championship <laughs> that winter. So um that was my motivation. My yeah. parents were like, well, if you're going to be, we're not going to be spending $45,000 out of state tuition. So, um, you get that scholarship back and you can stay at Indiana. So I did it. I got fifth place by a, by a hair. And I was like, yep, here scholarship. We here we are. I like that tough love from your parents. Like <laughs> get your fifth place in your scholarship where you're going to what? Like Ohio state. Ohio state yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. So wait, was it the 800 that you got fifth place in? No, it was the 600 that oh. had that indoors, which oh. was, I mean, a blessing for me because I wasn't ready to run an eight, mm-hmm. but I was still kind of a 400 runner. So um, that's like the one of the only conferences they have a 600 in, and it's one of my favorite events. I had the um, Big Ten record um, oh, wow. that I had my senior year. I had that. Um, it's been broken since. But <laughs> you held it, though. Event. So, yeah, I actually... I don't know a ton about track. I didn't know that there was a 600. Mm -hmm. They don't have it in the Olympics or anything like that. It's just some of the conferences have. So then, okay, so that was your sophomore year that you got fifth. Mm -hmm. So obviously, if you hold a record, you ended up winning it. Um, Yeah, my senior year of of high school, or sorry, my senior year of college um, at the Big Ten Championship, I I doubled and ran the, the mile in the 600. Oh, which gosh. is a really horrible double. Which one's first? Um, the 600. Mm. But I have to run trials of both of them um, oh. the day before. So, Oh, my gosh. Um, but it, I was just running on, like, pure – actually, the 600 was after the mile because I was running on just pure adrenaline. Mm-hmm. And um, an Ohio State girl actually was um, in the heat before me and was kind of um, mouthing off, like mm. kind of like getting in my head a little yeah. bit. And I was like, well, this is awesome. Cause now I'm just going to go out here and kill it. Yeah. So no, wait, that's your senior year. That was my senior year. Okay. And it was kind of, that was probably when people ask me what my best track memory is from college. It was that 
Um, it was that race, the big 10 girl. Yeah. She's just like her teammates were pounding on the track. Like there's no way you're going to, because in an in indoor track, you have two heats of a uh-huh. final. Oh, and I was in the second heat and she was in the first heat. Oh, you weren't even racing next to each nope. other. So she finished and she ran, you know, a, a pretty fast time. And then everyone was like, there's no way she's going to run that fast. Don't worry about it. Oh. And I was like, Oh, three seconds faster than you. But do you think you had the, you had an advantage because you were like, okay, now I know what I need to do. Like, um, yeah, I mean, I am just, the fact. Not that three seconds. I mean, not that that's a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. It was, I mean, just, I love that competition. It yeah. brought back kind of like that competition of soccer that I missed, like, you know, and <clears throat> definitely the best memory I had in college. So how did you fix the anxiety? Yeah. So, um, I, it, it was kind of a denial thing for the first couple of years and I still like choked at big races. I mean, uh-huh. I will be the first to say that I had you know, I would go to my workouts and I would be doing the workouts that, um, a national caliber runner would do. And then I would go to races and I would choke at the the big time races. And, Mm. and so my coach finally was like, you know, it's really frustrating for me because I can't do anything about that for you, but you need to see a sports psychologist. So that's what I did. And, um, I learned so much from them. Um, specifically the one at, at Indiana and you know it took me a while to buy into the process of like what he was trying to have me do but um there was just a few key things that he said to me um that turned everything around for me mm-hmm. and it took a lot of practice it didn't have even though I knew like what the things I needed to change it took me at least two seasons to figure it out um and fortunately I figured it out before um my senior year, which is the year that I kind of blossomed and was able to pursue my running career past Dominated. <laughs> um, what's like one of the best things he told you? Um, he's the best thing he told me and it was so simple and I just had never thought about it. And it's a problem that most, actually a lot of high school and college girls have women, especially, mm. um, is, is all of the things that you can't control because most of us are type a people who run, run track or run cross country. And you're trying to control all these factors that you can't control, like the person standing next to you that you have to race against. Mm -hmm. And I was wasting so much energy looking at the girl next to me, like thinking to myself, like, if, does she feel better than me? Do her Mm -hmm. legs feel better than me? What, what's her PR versus mine? Like, Mm -hmm. um, is her training better than me? Has her times faster than me is, am I going to lose? And I can't control any of that. I couldn't control what they were going to do. Um, but I, I honestly was standing on the line, not thinking about myself. I was thinking about everything else. Like Mm. how many people are in the crowd, like watching me or what are, you know, is my coach going to be upset with me if I don't do well? And those things are already, you know, talking yourself out of a race. So, Mm -hmm. um, I practiced it at practice. I, you know, I always tell the, the college girls and the high school girls, you spend, you know, 99% of your time at practice Mm -hmm. and you just get a little, little time of your, of weeks to, um, prepare for a race. So, um, you know, putting myself in like a, a position where I felt the most confident was the other thing. He said, control what you can control and practice how you compete. So I made it a point to, um, go to practice every day and make my workouts, like push myself in workouts. Like I was racing every single time so that when I got to a race, it almost felt easier Mm. because the workouts were technically harder than the races. So, um, and then 
also putting my mind at a place where I felt confident, which would be at practice when I have my male training partner who trains with me, bringing me through workouts. And I'd prepare every single race like I was about to go do a workout. I would stand on the line and I would picture Bloomington, Indiana. I could be at the world championship and I was picturing Bloomington, Indiana with my training partner in front of me about to do a one rep maximum effort. And that's, that was how I calmed myself down and got to my place of focus that, you know, propelled me forward. So, um, it took a while, but I learned a lot from him. And I think that I've been able to carry it on to, um, a lot of high schools and college girls I've been talking Mm, to a lot this year. That's awesome. Do you, um, do you still talk to him? The same guy? Yeah, he works at St. Vincent now. He worked at IU. Now he's up um, at St. Vincent Sports Performance, Dr. Carr, Mm -hmm. um, Chris Carr, and he's still around. Um, I talk to him in passing. I don't don't really feel it necessary to meet with him. Um, There's also thinking too much about things that can negatively affect you. So I think I'm at like a perfect place right now Mm -hmm. mentally that um, I don't think too hard about it, but I know exactly what my, you know, weaknesses are. So yeah, I talk to him a lot. Um, and, um, just in passing, he asks me how I am and we talk briefly and he's just kind of a peaceful person for me. Oh, that's awesome. I, I get like a quiet confidence from you because I, I feel like there's people you compete with now still probably mm-hmm. that have those issues that you were talking about that you overcame. Mm-hmm. But it kind of makes you a beast in competition because if you're just lining up thinking about yourself and your work, like this mm-hmm. is my hard workout or whatever, it gives you the big advantage. Yeah. It's, I mean, <clears throat> at this point in my career, you know, I'm trying out for the Olympics in a couple of months, which is really freaky, but crazy. Um, like every little thing that I can get to, per, to get to that next level, like between me and the girl that won worlds this past summer, what's the difference? And um, I'm always trying to make that gap smaller <clears throat> and to make the team this year, um, you know, the top three girls that make the team that will go to Rio this summer will have figured that part out. Mm -hmm. And I think that physically we are all pretty much the same, but like what separates those people is probably more of a mental thing because it's, it's harder to work on. It's easier to go out there and, and be killing workouts every day, but it's harder to work on the mental piece because it's not as, I guess, um, it's harder for people to acknowledge that they have a mental block somewhere. So that's been a huge part of me working on me um, because the physical stuff, I don't need motivation for that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So there's two things I want to talk about, but I'm trying to think what, what would be best first. Um, Cause I'm just, I'm interested in hear what your training's like. Like you're mm-hmm. not that you can give like everything. You probably can't give it any super secrets away. Cause you're like training. <laughs> I don't know what it's like. You're training no. for the Olympics um, to try out for the Olympics. But um, like you, tri- you tried out for the Olympic team in 2012. Yes. So tell me about that experience. So um, between 2011 and 2012, I made like a drastic transformation. I was, um, you know, I was at one of those points where in 2011, I think I got eighth at USA's. And, um, so I made the final and I got last place basically is what that means. And I was, you know, I was like, okay, I made the final. It was my first year out of college, my first year running professionally, but, um, all of a sudden 2012 hits and it's an Olympic team. And I was like, oh, well, I'm just going to do everything at a hundred percent maximum effort and I'm going to make the Olympic team mm-hmm. blindly didn't even realize like what it took to make the Olympic team. But, 
Um, you know, I got a nutritionist. I, I did everything times of 10 hundred million percent that I did the year before. And, um, it almost got me an Olympic team. I was a quarter of a second away from making the team, but, um, I, I was so naive to think that the first time you try anything, it's going to happen. So, um, that was kind of, and it was an awesome experience. I was so focused. Um, I was down to 145 pounds, which is, um, or maybe a hundred more like 140 between 140, and 145 pounds, which is where I should be when I'm racing an 800. Whereas the year before I was racing at about 155. <laughs> so it's, crazy it's a lot of extra weight yeah. to carry around the track and, um, I didn't lose any muscle. So I think, um, that was one of the biggest transformations I made between that year. Um, and just, you know, I think I, um, I was talking myself into thinking that I was ready, but mm -hmm. emotionally I was way too, um, I guess I was, I was way too emotionally drawn into it. Um, and I thought that that was how it was supposed to be. But now I realize that the Olympic trials is just like any other 800 and, um, to put, again, to put myself in a comfortable place was, um, so I was, it was like, I was in culture shock when I was there. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is, this is really what this is about to be like. Like I was freaking out mm -hmm. and I was telling everyone that I was okay. But, um, at the end of the day I raced, I had three rounds to make the team and I raced way too hard the first two rounds mm -hmm. and I didn't save any of my energy. Um, and then the final hit and I, I did what everyone does. You just put it all out there. And, um, and then the final um, hit with about 10 meters left, I just had nothing left mm -hmm. and I got passed by two people and right at the finish line, someone passed me and I missed the team by, you know, a foot. So that's crazy. And it was, um, did you know, like right then when mm -hmm. it happened? Yeah. You're like, there it went. Yep. Oh. And, um, for the past, like I'm, I'm literally, I remember just getting like calls and calls mm. and calls to be like, to talk about it. Mm. And it was just like, um, I'm just going to start crying now. And <laughs> I cried for like, I mean, every time someone mentioned it, every, even like six months later when I was out of season and it was a new year, I would just break down in tears. Cause I, I was so, I mean, it's devastating. Yeah. You were there. Yeah. I was right there. And everyone's like, what happened? I got that like side nod mm. from everyone. Like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah. And it, it probably took an, an entire year for me oh, to I just bet. be okay with like, yep. I'm trying it again though. Mm -hmm. And so now we're here and we're, it's crazy that it's here already. Mm -hmm. And I've had so much experience since then, and um, I'm approaching this year so much different than I did in 2012. So um, I'm really excited for um, staying. If I stay healthy um, the next five months, then um, I'm right where I need to be right now to be making an Olympic team. That's so crazy. That's awesome. Do you have a different coach now? No. Okay. I've had the same coach the entire time. Okay. Oh, so... This is your college coach then? Yes. Okay, so he coached you in college. At, so then how long have you been with Saucony? Um, since I graduated okay. col or college in 2010, um, I was at the national championship my senior year, and I got second in the 800. And I wasn't supposed to. I was um, hmm. I was supposed to get like third or fourth. They had me at third or fourth, and I had a great race. I PR'd, and I ran, um, and I got second. And I, I ran 202 in the 800, which is, it was pretty fast for college. Um, 
the winner, um, Phoebe Wright, now runs for Nike, and she's I know that name. run 158, and she runs for Brooks right now. But um, So I got second, and an agent came up to me after my race and, mm. and asked me if I thought about running professionally, and I told him that I didn't even know that that was a thing. <laughs> and for all I knew, I was going to go to grad school. I mean, I kind of just was one of those. I was a senior. I was just like, eh, I guess I'm going to keep going to school, <laughs> just like most people do. And, and I, and I was like, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if I'm going to do that. And he was like, well, maybe, um, maybe you should go to Europe. You could leave in like a week and I'll send you to Europe. And, um, that's where all the international races are and they run really fast there. And I think if you just got into a rhythm there, you could really run fast. And I think you could do this like for, as a career. And I was like, all right, well, I don't have a passport. I guess I'll ask my mom. My mom's like, are you, what? Who, what? You're not leaving the country with some random agent. And what is going on? And two weeks later, I was on a plane with a passport. And I went to like the Netherlands. And then um, a week, like a week after I got there, I went to Italy and I ran 159. Oh my gosh. And so within like two weeks from national, from the national championship, I, I ran 159 and had a two and a half second PR and signed a shoe contract with Saucony just two months after that. So it was a whirlwind. It was the craziest summer of my life. And, um, I've been with Saucony since 2010. So it's been awesome. They most loyal shoe company that I know for sure. They, they paid me, um, my salary in 2013 when I didn't even compete one time. Oh, that's so great. So um, I had a knee surgery, of okay. course. But um, yeah, they've just been, they've just, and they, and they, they are, they recruit like people with a lot of character. I feel like yeah. they, they recruit people who um, aren't just fast, but have personalities. Mm. And um, I just, I loved every second of it. That's so awesome. Yeah, Tina, I talked to Tina Muir today, and she's sponsored by Saucony, too, and she was kind of saying similar things about them, so mm-hmm. that's really good to hear. Um, it's interesting what you said about going to Europe and or the Netherlands or whatever. Whatever, you put yourself in those race experiences, and then you ran a 159. Um, so one of the owners of Athletic Annex that I, where I work, Bob Kennedy, mm-hmm. um, you probably know who that is. Yeah. Um, He's an Olympian, and he told a very similar story. Like, he said something about how he was running his 800s and some workout at X pace, and then he went to train with some Africans and was in the exact same shape he was in when he was doing the same workout at home and was running them, like, five seconds faster. And it's just putting himself in that situation. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is about being over there, but you just feel like – um, I don't know. It's almost like you're so uncomfortable because it's not home that you're forced to just rise to whatever is going on there. I mean, it's, I don't know. And it's something about running against someone who doesn't speak English that you're kind of like, all right, well, this is hardcore. So we're just going (laughs) to go after it. And everyone does. I mean, there's this language barrier and you don't go to there and race without really putting it up. There's no games. It's not like, it's not like, um, you know, a, a mile at a national championship, you see them run so slow and then they kick at the end. But Europe, it's just balls to the wall. You're just going for it. So when you went over there, were you just kind of like out on a limb, like went there with the agent to 
see what you could put out there to see who would want to pick you up then? So it was basically like I was on the cusp of being a professional track athlete. I was, I had run 202 and like really you have to run like, I mean, realistically too flat. It gets you to like, to have some sort of, um, financial, Mm -hmm. you know? And then, um, when I broke two minutes, I was the ninth American ever to do it. Mm. So it was right at that time period where people were starting to run, close to under two minutes, but like not very many people did. So breaking that two minute barrier was a huge deal. And that's why, um, he wanted me to, he saw at the national championship that I could, Mm -hmm. he thinks I could run faster if I was put in a position like that. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, he paid my way there. I mean, he really took like invested his time and money into me and, um, he kind of just, got me into any race I could get into at that point I was not getting into any big races Mm -hmm. but um I got this one chance in Italy to race um in a race where six girls went under two minutes wow and so I was fifth place running Mm -hmm. under two minutes I ran 159.8 and I was like what like (laughs) I just got fifth place and I got sick you know I ran under two minutes so it was um but those are the opportunities that I needed to have I had never been in a race like that before so um, rising to the occasion was like my only option. Were there. you the only American in that race? No. Oh, okay. There's actually, um, a lot of Americans in that race. Uh, for some reason it was like at the national championship of the USA <laughs> in Italy. And, um, one of my good girlfriends who I still compete against, Alicia Montano had a huge PR and ran 157. Oh, wow. Day. So, so did she win? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. She's Saucony. Uh, no, she's ASICS. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, she's the one that had a baby. Um, oh, and ran, and ran the eight hundred and like, yeah. What did she run it in? Two thirty. Yeah, but she because she, she was she at she had like qualified for some big race and she was like, oh, I'm just gonna go ahead and do it. Whether yeah, it was not. USA Championships. Yeah, so Alicia um, ran the national championship when she was eight months pregnant, but she's one of my really good friends and um, kind of a mentor. She's been a mentor. She's about a year or two older than me. So, um, and she's won seven national titles. Oh, wow. So, um, she's kind of the one 800 girl that I actually do get along with pretty well. And, um, I'm actually gonna go out there next month to train with her for a week before my first race. So, so I remember when she did that, when she ran the 800 pregnant and everybody was talking about it. I mean, but I mean, to you tell me, you, you say, you don't, you've never been pregnant, but say you're eight months pregnant. Mm-hmm. What do you think a 230, like right now, what would a 230, 800 feel like to you? Like you were kind of jogging or? Um, yeah, but not like really <laughs> jogging like that. I mean, it's insane. It's yeah. insane. And it was insane watching her do that. I was so glad she wasn't in my heat. Yeah. I, I ran before her. Um, it was, it was in the rounds obviously. Okay. So I bet I was like, I just, if I knock her off balance <gasps> oh, yeah. and you know, I was just like, and she immediately just like went to the back and just right. was doing it for fun. She was laughing the whole time. Oh, I and, love it. Um, I felt her belly right before we went out there and um, she was eating. She was like eating a bar <laughs> as she was on the line. It was just, you know, it was, it brought a lot of attention to track and field, which is yeah. pretty awesome. And um, she's a great person also. Oh, and I, that's awesome. she's actually very genuine and um, I really hope, I really hope that her and I are on the team together this summer. So, Okay. You th- three people can be on the team. Mm-hmm. Can you say like who are the like who are the people that are like? There's one. There's there's one person in my mind who um, is a shoe in. 
Mm. I hate to I hate to say that, but yeah. there's one person who's potentially a gold medalist mm. at the Olympics. Okay. Um, and so she is just so much better than mm. I think better than everyone else. And her uh-huh. name's Ajay Wilson. She's um 19 years old. Oh wow. And she's just a My freak. Gosh. She's just a freak yeah. of nature. She's she skipped college. Um, mm. She's actually taking class, college classes, but she didn't. She's not running college. She's just sponsored by Adidas, and she's just she's just amazing. Um, she's she's like, I'm gonna take this sponsorship while I can get it before I get yeah. injured. Or oh, yeah. she's she is so good. I, I, and that's the I thing. I've I, never heard of her. Okay, it's hard for me to um, it's hard for me to like, you know, to to admit that like I couldn't beat someone, but I just no, there's no way. Like yeah. she, I. Now and, I and, you know, you and her and in her weakest, you know, and when she's having a bad race, of course, but like at her prime, it's just there's not there's not anyone in the US who can who can stay with her. So there's there's two spots um completely open. Mm. Um and there's probably there's probably six people in the US who are really, really close together. Real so contenders. It's, it's a really it's a it's just a dog fight. It's yeah. gonna be pretty crazy. Do you so when you go to the trials Will the six of you or however many are kind of like really in the fight, will you guys all be in the same heat or whatever? Like, will you all be running together? Um, no. So they spread it out pretty much. They start with um, probably like 40 people. Mm-hmm. And then they have, you know, five heats of eight. And then they break it down into, you know, they cut that in half. And then they then you have a one final um, eight people for the, for the final. So, okay. So whoever is top, it's usually like top two um, in each heat. And then the next whatever times. And then the next time it's like top two in each heat next two fastest times. And so, um, and most of the time, sometimes you get a bad, a bad draw where you have like three, four of us in one heat. Mm. So you have to like run really fast. Mm. Basically is what that means. So um, most of the time though, it's through the rounds. You just, for me, it's just about getting out of the way and not falling down, mm. which is the biggest fear for most of the people who are favored to make the team is you have to get through the rounds first. It's not just about that one day. Yeah. It's the two days beforehand where you're weeding out the people who aren't that good. Right. And they cause problems. Yeah. So I usually get out in front and just wire to wire, just try to run the race um, without wasting as, as little as energy as I can. Yeah, because one fall. One fall, and I've seen it happen to people who aren't supposed to be, you know, who are supposed to make the final. Yeah, and that's so much more devastating than missing the team by a quarter. Yeah, I mean, because it's like, okay, I knew I could have, I should have been there. Right. So when you, assuming you make it to the finals, Mm -hmm. because you're going to get out of everybody's way and just get in front. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, do you even get other than falling? Do you do you even really get nervous about the heats before the finals? Um. I, I always, and everyone, every 800 or every track athlete will say the same thing. The first round is the worst just because, or actually, sorry, the second round is the worst because it's just, the final is the least stressful thing there. because you're there. And it's just, you, there's no more like, what do I have to do to make it to the next round? It's just all out mm-hmm. and whatever happens, happens. But mm-hmm. the first two rounds are so many like little things that like, you know, you have to worry about like mm-hmm. if, if your race goes out really hard, you still have to be top two to make it to the next round. And, you know, there's just things that you have to worry about in the first two rounds. But, um, yeah, this, the second round is nerve wracking. They're all, they're all stressful. Yeah. I mean, it's just a really stressful week. 
So then you have three races in four days. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then on the finals, well, in 2012 when you did it, Mm -hmm. were you pretty feeling pretty certain that you were going to make it to the finals? Yeah, I went out and ran um, uh, less than a second for my PR for the first two rounds. And so and that's something now you're saying, looking back, you went out too hard. Mm-hmm. You raced, okay. You yeah, and then last year when I actually did go to the World Championships, um, my first round I ran 203, which is like jogging for me. Okay. So that saved me a that's lot of energy. Jogging 203, that's so funny. <laughs> but you know, like you listen to your body, you're like, okay, I, I, I know saw I'm that be- there was a huge gap between me and second. And I was like, all right, why well, I'm not going to push it. Right. Cause like, I need to save this. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, smart runner are you? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Trials are July 1st through the 4th, July 4th. I'll know if I make the team. Is that the day? That's, that's the, the day. day of the finals. Yep. Okay. So where are they? Eugene, Oregon, which okay. is where they always are. Okay. I should know that as someone interviewing someone who's, an 800 runner trying out for the Olympic team. <laughs> um, so will you go out there like a couple days before? Yeah, the- I, we actually already have our place booked. We're mm. staying like uh, at an Airbnb, mm. like two or three miles from the track just to get away from, there's a meat hotel we can stay in, but oh, I would prefer not to yeah. do that. Especially I'm going to be there from, um, you know, f- for an entire week and I get there about two days before my first round. So I like to have my groceries, you know, mm-hmm. eating is really important to me and not having a messed up stomach because that's just a disaster. Oh, yeah. So, um, my husband comes out and he's kind of my security blanket that mm, I carry around with me everywhere. It. He's so not into track and like, <laughs> I love it because yeah. it's, it provides that like calming mm-hmm. thing for me that he's not, he doesn't really care what happens. So um, he's supportive and he doesn't care. So it's does just, he get it though? Like, does he get all the, like everything you just explained to me, like the lingo and what you're actually like all the stuff, yeah. like he gets it. I think he gets it so much, but he, he kind of like has a blind eye towards mm-hmm. it as well. Like yeah. he knows exactly what's going on. Yeah. Um, and, but he knows not to overstep his boundaries by any means. He knows how hard I work mm-hmm. and you know, like when I, when I get to a race and the last 10 meters, like someone passes me, he's not going to be the person that's like, why didn't you run faster? <laughs> Cause there's people that say that yeah. and they really don't understand that mm. I was trying as hard as I could. Right. So, um, yeah, he gets it. Yeah. And he is so supportive of my lifestyle, which is so off the wall for yeah. a 28 year old that, yeah. um, I've, I owe him the time <laughs> when I'm done with the sport. <laughs> well, you guys can make babies. So there you yep, go. There we go. <laughs> um, Okay, so will your parents and his parents go out for the mm-hmm. trials? Yep, his parents, my parents are, everyone's already got all their stuff nice. booked. So, um, and my sister-in-law, Robin, Robin. and Clay, okay. um, I, I think are planning on coming as well. That's and awesome. Then, um, if I obviously qualify for Rio, I think everyone, everyone in my family, including a lot of my extended oh, yeah. family will be there I'm as well. sure. I would be like, can I be your cousin? I'm going to come watch. Um, so they'll have baby Samson at the finish line yep, for you. I think so. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm super excited. I'm going to be, I mean, I'm going to be watching and I know her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm super, I'm, I'm really excited. It just feels like it's still so far away because I have, yeah. I haven't even started racing yet. Oh so, yeah. When do you um, start? My first race, I think, is going to be the second or third weekend of 
um, April. So I'm, how do you pick those out? Your coach just finds them and picks them uh, out? My agent pretty mm-hmm. much finds them. My, I kind of, I have a choice obviously, but, mm-hmm. um, he is the one who gets me into the, the bigger races, the international races mm-hmm. to, to be specific. Like, um, I think in June I'm headed to Rome and Birmingham. Oh, wow. There's two diamond league races. Diamond league is the, the best of the best races. There's, um, like, 10 to 15 of them every year and the prize money is really big. It's just where all the fastest people in the world go to. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm pretty sure I'll go to those two races in June and that'll be the only time I leave the country before. So you'll run the 800. Like, is that that, like, that's it. That's it. Okay. That's Mm -hmm. what you do. I mean, if I, if I was going to run a 1500, which is the only other event that I would probably run, um, it would be at a, a meet like, um, down in Bloomington Mm -hmm. or something where there was no money because Mm -hmm. I'm not, considered um elite enough to be in the in that distance Mm -hmm. um i was talking to uh my friend rob who works at athletic annex i think he used to run for talking but anyway i told him i was interviewing you and we were talking about he does steeplechase did Uh, he go to butler um yeah yep i know who he is um he's trying out for the british team right but he was talking about you know your group and the 800 and he was like the women, the American women are deep in the 800 this year. Mm-hmm. And like, it's very likely that a couple of them will medal if they make it on the team. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. It's definitely one of the deepest events in the U S and it's easy. It's easy to say that a lot about mm-hmm. a lot of them. Um, the hundred hurdles, women's hundred hurdles and the women's 400 are two other events. The women's 1500 has the um, American record holder and I mean, yeah, I would say like the 800 is definitely one of the deepest events, which is, you know, it's awesome that we have such a deep Mm -hmm. event. Sometimes I wish that I was Canadian or (laughs) Swedish or something, but, um, you know, that would, that would be, I would be a coward if I did that because USA is the best. And so, um, it'll just make it mean that much more if I did make the team. Yeah. That's so cool. I cannot wait to watch. I feel like I'm going to be so emotionally invested in your race watching from my couch or wherever I am. Yes. I just say some prayers. Okay. (laughs) You probably feel that from everybody you talk to about it though. Yeah. Um, okay. So I feel like I could ask you a million questions and go on and on about this Olympic stuff forever, but it's just such a fun year too. Mm -hmm. I mean, 2016 Olympic year, last time it was an Olympic year. Uh, my son Marshall was a newborn he he's born in June, so I remember all summer just like glued to the TV. Yes, and I was so glad it was an Olympic year because you had nothing to do. Yes, I was just like <laughs> exhausted with this newborn. I was watching all this stuff. Are there any other sports you actually care about watching or um, pay attention to, or do you you probably don't like have uh, emotional? I investment. grew up watching gymnastics, and I uh-huh. still love it. I love and it. That's like. Um, someone told me at the last Olympics that the, that team USA gave each athlete one sport that they were able to get tickets to, mm. to watch their favorite sport. And I was like, no doubt g- gymnastics, a hundred percent. That's, That's awesome. definitely what I would go watch. Um, so will you do that this year? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, my, my event, unfortunately the 800 is the like last track and field is the last session of the Olympics mm. and it's the last couple of days of the entire thing. Mm. Um, so that means that technically I would have to miss the opening ceremony because it's too early, but there's no way I'm missing the opening ceremony. Yeah. So I told, I told my agent, I was like, I am flying there, going to the opening ceremony and flying back if I have to, because uh-huh. the training camp that they hold the athletes in, 
um, this past year in, um, when I went to Beijing for world championships, it was in Japan. Mm. Um, and that's where they held us before we went to Beijing. So they'll do the same thing for, um, this Rio cycle though. I think our training camps actually in the United States because it's the time change is the same. It's only like an hour difference between here and Brazil. So, um, yeah, I'm not missing those opening ceremonies though. I'll tell you that. That's so cool. Um, so if you, if you make the Olympic team and you medal, are you going to like, I mean, I know you say you're kind of ready to move on a little bit and mm-hmm. think about babies and nursing school. And I wanted to talk about nursing school, but we're starting to run out of time. Um, will that like put a fire in you to say, I don't know if I want to be done. You know, it's hard for me to like, to literally just say no. Yeah. Um, but I am, I think, and I've been saying this to people. I don't think that the reason I'm not running next year is because I don't necessarily want to. It's more of my body telling me that it's time Mm. because my, my knees are so bad Mm. and I don't talk about it very much because I don't like, what am I, my knee hurts, my knee hurts. Yeah. And my husband hears that all the time, but oh, yeah. it's just like, there's, I can't throw a pity party for myself. Like I have to just deal with it. So I ignore it most yeah. of the time. And I see a physio for, you know, three hours a week just works on my knees the entire time. So, and that's kept me super healthy, quote unquote healthy. I don't really <laughs> know how to say that I'm healthy, yeah. but, um, I have virtually no meniscus left in my knee and mm. I'm, causing stress fractures the more and more I run. So Mm. I have to just deal with that. Um, but for me to, to do that to myself after this year, um, for, in my mind would mean to keep, to keep training for the next Olympics and like four more years. (laughs) I just don't think that. And, And I thought, you know, if that, if something like that happened, then financially it would be best for me to continue one more cycle, Mm -hmm. one more season, actually just one more season because you do get a lot of financial, um, opportunities the year after the Olympics. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't like say, no, I'm Mm -hmm. just going to be done. But, um, right now my plan is to, (laughs) (laughs) to, you know, start school in the fall and just move. It's almost a protective mechanism too, so that Mm -hmm. I don't get so like, Oh my gosh, it's over. Mm -hmm. And what am I going to do? You know, I've, I have a plan it's made me way more motivated to um, pursue what I've wanted to do for so long, which is which is nursing school, and um, start a family with my husband, which is obviously uh, something you can't do while you're running professional. <laughs> well, some people can, I guess, but not me. I'm not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's. I mean, that is my plans right now. That's my immediate plan. Do you want a lot of kids? Yeah, I think. I mean, not a lot. I think. What's a lot? <laughs> yeah, what's a lot? Um, I think we have definitely agreed that we want at least two. Okay. Um, and then kind of just see how it goes. I think, um, see how long it takes mm-hmm. to make all that happen. <laughs> um, but Reed is, you know, it's so funny cause Reed is so, re- he's so ready to have a kid oh, right now. Oh, that's so sweet. And I can totally tell. And he's obviously super supportive no matter what I want to do. Right. But, um, I just know that the second I'm saying I'm ready, he's going to be right there with me. Yeah. So that's I'm like, when are you ovulating? That makes, <laughs> that makes it like 10 times more torturing when I'm like baby fever. Yeah. But I'm excited and I can't, 
obviously complain about the situation I'm in right now. So yeah, well, and you're at a really good age too. I yeah. mean, it's not like you're 35. Right. <laughs> um. So we have been going for almost an hour. That is crazy. Um. I want to know a couple things. Well, I, before I do this, though, if we can be fast about it, I don't know if we can. What does your weekly training look like? I mean, how many miles a week are you running? Um, I run about 50 miles a week Okay. Um, right now. Mm-hmm. And then when I start getting into my racing season, it drops to about 40. Okay. Just because it's so intense mm-hmm. and I can't keep up with the mileage. But um, I have – I run seven days a week. I don't okay. really take a day off. Maybe once every month I'll take a day off. Um, and I have – Two hard workouts on the track. Okay. Um, a Monday and Monday and Thursday hard moderate runs with some fifteen hundred paced workouts afterwards. But for the most part, Tuesdays and Fridays are the days that I am really focused in on eight hundred workouts. And then um, on the track, on the track, Tuesdays and Fridays. Mm-hmm. What do those workouts look like? Um, so today, mm-hmm. Tuesdays are the worst for me because mm-hmm. they're more aerobic based. So they're more um, like 1500 and like distancy, which is not my forte. Obviously I'm coming from a 400 background. So mm-hmm. um, today I had eight 400s with very little rest mm-hmm. at um, and like going back and forth between 70 and 60. So um, like 70 pace, 60 pace, 70 mm-hmm. pace, 60 pace times eight. And it was a continuous workout. So whenever there's a continuous workout in there, mm. I struggle. Yeah. Um, cause it's just so aerobic and I can't just sit down and rest for a second. Um, and then Fridays are more really like race simulation type for an 800. So all out reps, all out efforts, um, which is what I like to do. Mm. I like to do that really fast. Do you get nervous stuff. for those workouts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I get I get nervous for Tuesdays and Fridays because Tuesdays is really painful and I know that there's a good chance I'm not going to be able to do it all Mm -hmm. or exactly how he wants me to do it. Um, And then Fridays is more of like a nervous, excited, just like like a race. I feel kind of like I'm warming up for a race. Once you get started, are you kind of like, okay, I'm in this now and the nerves kind of go away? Um, yeah, but it's so different because when I have a lot of rest to think about the next rep, Mm. um, they don't go away so Mm. much because I'm so like... Oh, I have to do that again. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's different in a race. It's just one time, one time. Done, and it's very painful. And, but you know, it's just one time. So when you get to the last one though, um, are you kind of like, okay, this is it. Yep. I, I'm giving it all I have. Yeah. And, yeah. And that happens every time I have the last one. It's, um, it, the last one's always not as terrible as the previous because it's the last one. I just have to do it one time that I can lay out on the track and do yeah. whatever I want. Yeah. And so then on your other, so you have the Tuesday, Friday track, and then you said you had two other days where you do. I do Mondays, Thursdays. I do like a, a fast, moderate, longer. What does that look like? Um, like under seven minute pace for my miles okay. at like five or six miles. And, and then, then you I, just kind of go out and run them and. Yep. I run them with a couple people or the team or whoever wants to. And then, um, I finish off on the track with just like some slower 1500 stuff just to usually six by 300. Okay. Um, at 1500 at 1500 pace. pace. Mm-hmm. So does that, so say you're going out for like a five mile run and you're running like 645 miles. Does that feel like an effort because it's distance or is it just feel like moderately like I'm working, but I'm, I can hold a conversation. Yeah. I can hold a conversation at that pace. But, um, for me, the volume 
of that day mm-hmm. is hard on my knees. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Unlike a workout where it's intense and like low volume, it's mm-hmm. all about the volume with my yeah. knees. So, um, the worst day of the week for me is a Sunday cause it's my long run. Mm, and, and how I, long is that? Um, like nine, nine miles. Yeah. And then how many days a week do you strength train? I strength train Mondays, Wednesdays, and I have a weight coach in Bloomington, um, who works one-on-one with me, um, on Mondays. Mm-hmm. And then Wednesdays I do my own you kind know, of You have your thing. own routine. Yep. Do you, um, I was going to ask you something about your, oh, your days. What, what time of day do you do like your big workouts? Um, I, I, so Tuesdays for the aerobic workouts, mm-hmm. I like to have a shakeout in the morning. So I'll wake up and do a shakeout right when I wake up and then like crack, three miles. Yeah. Like 20 minutes, mm-hmm. probably less than that. And then, um, I'll go down to Bloomington and practice about two o'clock in the okay. afternoon. Perfect. And then Friday, um, I'm already in Bloomington mm-hmm. because I have traveled down there Thursday, spent the night with my in-laws. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I do those at about 11 AM. Okay. With no shakeout. With no shakeout. Okay. And it's just kind of, I guess for me, it's those fast workouts. I just warm up for a while mm-hmm. for them. So I don't necessarily need a shakeout, but um, it doesn't really matter what time of day I do it as long as I'm fully warmed up and I prefer not to drive to Bloomington from Indy and immediately start a workout. Right. So that's kind of why I do them in the morning. Do you ever do early, early morning workouts? Do you prefer not to? Mm-mm. My coach doesn't let me yeah. work out before really, he doesn't even let me start a workout before like nine thirty. Is because that because he wants to make sure you're getting enough sleep and like your body's just not ready for it? He thinks that like my body's not going to be warmed up enough to do like the effort mm-hmm. that he wants me to do. He ideally really likes me to work out in the afternoon to mm-hmm. have a morning shakeout. But, um, Fridays, I just, I just say, no, I'm going, I want to <laughs> get this done. It's like, I don't want to think about this yeah. all day long. Yes. And that's how every race is. Yeah. Cause they're all at like 7 PM. Oh my gosh. Oh, I so know. It's just that. sitting there thinking about it all day. So I try I Tuesday. I think about it all day, but Fridays, I tell him I'm not thinking about it. It's Friday. I just want to be done with it. And then you go home, come back up to Indy. Come up to Indy and have myself a glass of wine. Yeah. Um, Do you indulge? Like, do you, are you super strict on your diet? Like, you kind of have to be right now? Yeah. Usually from, like, January through my season, so through September, I am, like, I don't drink. At um, all? One glass of wine a week, maybe? Maybe one glass of wine. Yeah. When I'm really proud of myself after a workout. Yeah. Um, But, no. I cut drinking out and... You know, I still I eat everything in moderation. I don't yeah. do anything too crazy. Um, I'm really into juicing right now. Mm. I bought a juicer and I'm making like the craziest concoctions with vegetables mm. and putting some fruits in there. And Reed's actually enjoying them, which is super crazy because he's not like like that at all. Yeah. But, um, I've really liked I really liked it. Just um, trying different things out and yeah, I, I still eat dessert though. Like yeah. I'm not gonna keep myself from having like a cookie or, um, but it's like not like five cookies. Exactly. Like you know how to mm-hmm. stop yourself. I had a juicer that died. I used it probably for like three years and it wasn't like a top of the line, but I always had an issue with all the like leftover pulp. And I was like, what am I going to do with all this pulp? So I tried to make bread with it. And I was like, <laughs> it was decent. I mean, it wasn't great, but it was edible. But then I was like, I guess I can feed this to Marshall because it's healthy. Right. And he just stuff anything in his face. Um, but then our juicer died and now I have a Vitamix, which Mm. is a super fancy blender, but it's supposed to juice too. So it does, 
Okay. Then you just have to, you you blend it all up and then you can put basically anything in there. You know, that's the cool thing about the juicer. Yeah. You throw the whole apple in or whatever. Um, but then you just have to strain, you know, the pulp. Oh. Whereas then I'm kind of like, you're still straining it and you're, I'm thinking, but this stuff is all good too. I know. But I want the juice. I don't want a smoothie. I, I know. I want the juice. Yeah. And the pulp, like the pulp, I've had juice with pulp in it and it's just, yeah. when you know it's not like fruit pulp, yeah. it's just tastes oh, yeah. more gross. Yeah. Because like, I love fruit pulp. Orange yeah. juice, grapefruit mm-hmm. juice. I want all the full. But I do – I need to use that Vitamix more to justify how much yeah. it costs. <laughs> and I just, like – I did notice that, like, the only time I was eating vegetables was at dinner because mm-hmm. vegetables mess my stomach up mm-hmm. to a certain much extent fiber. when I'm running. So yeah. um, this was a great way. I – and usually I think you're supposed to drink this, like, constant, that concentrated mm-hmm. type of juice without – on like, on an empty stomach. Yeah. So I – right after my workout, I just chug the juice. And yeah. And my stomach is – obviously empty after a workout and I think it's um a perfect time to like just spike my body with like a ton of nutrients and and then I usually have a little something like 30 minutes later um like a bar or something do you eat breakfast before you run like how much food do you eat before like the 11 o'clock workout Uh uh-huh if I have an 11 o'clock workout then I eat um about 8 30 or 8 o'clock and what do you eat um I have like two staples and it's I literally don't shy away from I don't do anything else besides if I know I have a workout like today I had a three o'clock workout and I ate lunch at 11 30 but my lunch was um a piece of toast mm-hmm. with peanut or almond butter and I cut up banana on it mm-hmm. a and, whole banana yeah what kind of toast um like oat nut mm. yeah oat nut bread it's like pepperidge farm oat yeah nut. I just love that stuff um and then I'll have like Maybe on the way down to Bloomington, I have like a piece of a bar because mm-hmm. I know I'm going to be starving. Just to get, yeah, yeah, just to eat something. But I, I mean, the other thing, I can eat oatmeal anytime. I can mm. eat um, peanut butter and bread. Uh, there's not much else that has sat well with me. So you're like, that's what, I'm, that's what you'll eat race morning too. Yep, race yeah. morning. And then um, if my race is at like 7 p.m. or mm. something, I can eat like a like a Subway sub with no condiments mm-hmm. or vegetables during the day. Like mm-hmm. I can eat like a turkey sandwich plain, um, but my stomach is bad. I mean, I yeah. went through a period where I couldn't – I would throw up every race. Oh. And so I was like, all right, I'm not doing that anymore. Right. Like let's figure this out. So yeah. I just – I have to be hungry when I start warming up. Mm-hmm. And most people who run like a long-distance event like 5K or 10K would be like, no. Like you that can't is, be hungry. You can't be hungry, but – for me, it's a sprint. Yeah. So I have if I have something in my stomach, it's coming out afterwards. Right. So. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So okay, we are gonna wrap up, and I probably have to have you on the show again after Fun the trials. <laughs> um, what I don't know if you read this in the email. What is there something you're just like loving right now? Um. Well, I would say that right <laughs> now I was obsessed with the bachelor oh but then the bachelor was like my biggest crush i know and he went to iu and we totally like wait did i not know he went to iu he went to iu and we i overlapped with him <gasps> at iu and i don't know i was like how did you not meet? read i don't know how we didn't bump into each other but lucky guy read you <laughs> lucked out so yeah i just what year ended, did he ended last night he's like oh i trust me yeah i'm on um, I'm on the bachelor train. He graduated. He is literally like, 
he graduated after me, so okay. he's younger than Oh, me. yeah. Yeah, he's only 26. Right. So he graduated like two – he was like two years younger than that me. That was kind of an issue I had with The Bachelor this year is that all the girls were like 22, 23. Yeah. And I was just like, come on. You can't take these girls serious. They're I know, not ready. <laughs> I know. But he's like – But he's young too. He was so good. I loved him. Did you think he was going to pick Lauren? Yeah. I actually thought that he was going to pick JoJo. And Last then, night after they were editing it so crazy that yeah. they made it seem like he was going to pick JoJo. Yeah. Oh, his mom. His parents were like, love JoJo. Oh, they lo- the mom loved her because she was immediately talking about how it's not all easy. and. Oh, yeah. And then she's like, before before we even asked the question, she knew she knew what we were going to ask her. And uh-huh. it was just different. That's what yeah. the mom said. Oh, she, yeah. The I mom was, like, was definitely uh-huh. right. But I actually, like, because of the previews, man, it looks like he chose JoJo. Uh-huh. And then he, sorry, sorry, he told JoJo to go home. Uh-huh. And then he told Lauren to go home. Uh-huh. And then he's like, I just told someone that shouldn't, you uh, know, like, I don't know what happened. Right. But he picked one and then he was changed his mind. That's yeah. what I thought was going to happen, but well, it didn't. Well, I'm, I'm not 100% certain that he won't like I kept I like always live tweet the bachelor and last night I kept saying I feel like Lauren is the safe choice I feel like her family and Mm -hmm. everything about her she's the safe choice and she's probably a more stable choice long term so that's probably good um but I felt like he had this like crazy like connection with Jojo like he wanted to jump her bones every time he saw her that's what I thought too so I kind of feel like but she's a new bachelorette. I know. I kind of feel like he's never going to not think about her even when him and Lauren are like happily ever after or whatever. But yeah. Yeah, that was great. I mean, I was this season, I was way more into it than any other season. too. I think there's been like maybe one or two other that I've been. I was obsessed. But I was so glad that they did not choose um, Kayla for the bachelorette. She's a little boring. She's so boring. Yeah. I mean, she's super sweet. But uh, yeah, I think the ratings would have gone down. JoJo, they're going to be up pretty high. Yeah, yeah, she's good. Um, and not to mention Lauren B. Like her outfit choices were always way better than JoJo's. Way better. JoJo's just they were a little bit, a little bit trashy. I agree. I was like, just going to say that. I just like, and every I don't I follow Lauren on on Instagram, uh-huh. and she posts like all her clothes, like where she oh, bought them and see, stuff. Those girls, as soon as they get famous like that, they're getting sponsors for yeah. clothes oh, yeah. and people sending them. Like, here's $1,000 if you post yourself wearing this cute dress uh-huh. or whatever. Yeah. And she's um, She's adorable. Um, okay. So, of course, we have that in common. Anything you're hating on right now? Just, like, anything that's annoying to you or? Um, I don't really. I was thinking about it earlier, and I was, like, maybe just. I spend a lot of time with, like, college girls. Mm. Um, and the social media mm. situations, like Snapchat, is so annoying in every social situation mm-hmm. they have to have their phones out taking a snapchat of it i'm like so can annoying. we just have a conversation without you like having to snapchat a, your dog at the window yeah like i just i feel like it takes over their lives and yeah and they make fun of me because that they're like you don't even know how to you're use too it. old to yeah snapchat. you know what? i got into snapchat for like a month and it was always just me posting or taking a video of like me singing a song with my kid and sending it to like three friends. Right. And so I was like, I, and then that was the thing is like, this is taking up time that I don't need to spend. And I, and and the girls are always like, I know when you're Snapchatting and when they come through, they're going to be really good because you give like one every month. And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, yours are so boring. Yes. Cause it's the same thing. Yes. 
Um, I think that's the only thing right now that I'm just like, uh, it's hopefully it just is a phase and it goes away. I think that some of them are really like hilarious yeah. and I can respect them, but right now it's like everything and it's not cool. Well, and it takes away from like living in the moment. I know that sounds uh, yeah. so corny, but it's so true. So true. I, I think about that all the time with my kids when I'm like, Oh, I want to get a picture of this. I want to take a video and I post my kids on Instagram all the time, but it's the video thing. And I've backed off a lot with my second, which maybe I'll regret later when I, later when I have like a million videos of my first and yeah. that. But it's just like, don't pull out your phone and record this. Like, enjoy what he's doing right. and like pay attention to it rather than videoing it and like looking back 20 minutes later. Yeah. You were just right there. It just happened in real life. Oh, right. Yeah, I totally get it. Um, any books? Um, oh, you do the books on tape. I do the books on tape and I just got The Room. Mm, you haven't I, read it. No, I have not read it. Okay, so you're going to do it on tape. I'm going to do it on tape. I actually watched the movie. My mother-in-law like brought it home, and it was a Thursday night when I was there. Uh-huh. She was like, I read this book, and it was so good. We have to watch this movie. And it was so – the movie is so good. The movie's good? Yes. I read the book like years ago. I heard the book ago. is awesome. Yeah. I can't imagine what the movie would be like because it's very much – you're in the same place. She and said, and I haven't read the book, but she said it changed. Um, they they made it less of just a room. And oh, they, in the movie? Yeah. Do you typically prefer to do the book first, though? Yeah. Yeah. I do usually, but I, I didn't even know about it until we watched this movie, and then she just kept pausing it and being like, well, this didn't <laughs> happen in the book. And I was like, all right, well, I probably should just read the book. I hate that. I, I like to read the book first, but I hate that it's never exactly the same. It's never. It can't be, though. Yeah. Like, The Hunger Games, I feel like, is the... Are you a Hunger Games person? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not super into it, but I've seen them. I feel like... And have you read the books? No. See, that was the thing with The Hunger Games. It's like, the movie is just... There's just so many details that they have to be left out. Yeah. You know? Um. Okay. Cool. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was fun. I'll, I know. I'll be back, I'm sure. I Well, yeah, and now everybody that's listening is going to be cheering for you That's at so the nice. trials. It's going to be so. so fun. I need I need as much fan prayers as I can get. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited for you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening today. Thank you for understanding this re-release. I know you probably loved it though. Molly was so fun to talk to the first time and I'm so excited to talk to her again. You guys can find me on Instagram, lindsayhine626. You can find me on Twitter, at lindsayhine. You can find me on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine, where we also have a group as well. Come find the group, join the group, join in on the discussion about the podcast and also about our book club for the month of September. We are reading the book, Option B. And that group is a little bit more intimate and close and we have a lot of fun over there. So feel free to pop over and join us. All right, you guys, have a wonderful Friday. Have a great weekend. And as always, I'll see you next Friday.